I would encourage you to turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Um, it, is our, it is our duty to move through Scripture, to understand Scripture, to preach Scripture, and then to live it out. It's not only a duty, though, it is a joy. It's our joy to do this. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, I'll begin reading in verse 10. Now, there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on, your, on account of you. It came about when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her in Pharaoh, uh, to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore, he treated Abram well for her sake and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. Now the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Then Pharaoh said to Abram, what is this that you have done? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So I took her for my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged to him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is our joy to come before your word. And just to expound it, I I pray that as your word goes forth, that it would work its work in our life. Lord, we so often underestimate its power, but Lord, I pray that it would work, bring conviction where is needed, repentance, and a changed life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, sometimes we go to a doctor and the doctor will, um, he will recommend or sometimes order a stress test. The older I get, I'm uh, thinking that eventually that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to need a stress test. And it's a good thing that state fair is only once, uh, once a year where I think we'll all be going for stress tests after we eat the fair food. After we see the prices of the fair food, I think is the... Stress test. Now, what the doctor's wanting to see in a stress test is how the cardiovascular system is re- will respond to the physical exertion. He, he's wanting to put some pressure by running or exercising and maybe even medication to uh, to put kind of the heart and the, the veins to it to the stressing point or test point. So that he can see how they're going to respond. So that, so that it can be tested. So if any weaknesses are there, that can be exposed. 
and, and they can be corrected. That's what we want. That's the doctor's plan. Now, the thing is, is God does the same thing with us uh, in the spiritual realm. He, he wants to test us. And the thing that's the most prominent that needs to be tested is our faith. We see that in the New Testament. We see examples of it in the, in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, really. He wants to test the strength of that faith, the quality of that faith, the kind of faith. What can that faith endure? And it's to strengthen it as well. Now, Christians live a life of faith. That's what we do. That's what we're expected to do. And it's, it's not a natural thing. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's not a natural thing to live by faith. We, we like to live by sight. But that's, uh, God gives us the faith that, that we depend upon Him for. But He gives us this faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, that faith is a gift from God. And, and that's what happens that He gives us that faith. But that faith must be exercised. That faith has to be seen in some way. It has to be worked out. There has to be some kind of fruit or it's not the right kind of faith. It it has to be a a faith that's visible and seen. Now, this faith is important. This is the same faith that we are baptized into Christ through this faith by the Holy Spirit. We're baptized into or we're adopted into the family of God through this faith. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit with this faith. This faith is important because it, it's going to affect our future. And this faith muscle must be exercised. And it's important then it to be tested. Now, last time we looked, uh, last time I was with you, we looked at, um, we talked about this life of faith. And Abraham was a, a man who was to live a life of faith. It's important for us to see examples of faith. What does it look like to live by faith? The, uh, the Old Testament word is that they walked with God. And that just means a life of faith. A communion with God. They walked alongside together with God. They exercised faith through their life. They responded as God would have them respond. And they just walked through life uh, as a walk of faith. Of faith with God. And Abraham is a, a great example. In fact, he's the kind of the epitome of walking by faith. <clears throat> walking with God. Now, Noah was a, a good example, but we don't have a lot of details of his life from that 150 or 120 years that he was building the ark. God called him for a special task there. He had extraordinary faith, but Abraham, or Abram, was the, is the one that is exalted or lifted up in the Old Testament as the father of faith, the father of faith. And what we see here is that that God has a special use for Abram and God has claimed his life. We saw that a couple of weeks ago when we saw God's um, covenant that he made with Abraham. It has a special use for him that Abram was going to be the father of the Jewish people, this Jewish line that God is going to use to bring the Messiah. We saw that. On top of that, and what we also see today is Abraham is the father of our faith. And it was read for us earlier as well. He is the epitome of what it looks like to live by faith. So it's a good example for us. Um, Now, if you remember, those who live by faith 
are not necessarily perfect. They're still sinful. They're still sinners. In fact, Abram, we went through this long list of genealogies. He, he was the, at the end of a, a long line of godly men. But that doesn't mean that he was perfect. And we see that in this passage today. This genealogy then, these genealogies that we've gone through, ending with Abraham, points to the fact that godliness does not come through genetics. And sometimes we, we tend to think that, oh, they're just a good family, they just produce good kids. They just, you know, there's godliness just runs in their genes. That's foreign to Scripture. That is not something that we see in Scripture. It's not hereditary. It's not genetic. It's not personality traits. Anything like that. It's basically, it's just discipleship. It's the Word of God instilling faith and it's just discipleship in godliness as we follow God, as we walk with God. Um, now, the purpose of, of this text here, why Moses is giving this to the children of Israel, he's writing this down for us and the children of Israel so that they can see uh, their heritage. God has his hand on Abram's life, but God has claimed their life as well. They're going to be God's people. And they needed to understand that, that he rescued them out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery, for a purpose, for specific use. They needed to understand their place in God's world. They needed to understand that they are special people. They needed to understand God's demands upon their life. And this life of faith, they were to live a life of faith, just like Abram, their fathers, uh, lived a life of dependence upon God. And God has ordered a stress test for Abram in the spiritual sense, a stress test. Um, how will his faith respond to the pressure that's God, that God's about to, to push on him? Now, the principle that we've been seeing is that I think what you see on the scripture or the, the board there is that faith in God is not a one time thing. It, that's not the way faith works. It, it's not a, a one-time thing. It's a consistent thing throughout the, the believer's life. It's a life of faith. It's a life of consistent dependence upon God. Um, and we cannot say, oh, I have faith. I, I'm a Christian, but not live by faith. We can't do that. And in fact, in the New Testament, I want to read this passage to you because it's so clear. This is what James is talking about in James chapter 2 in verse 17. I believe I have the, the scriptures on the, the board. James chapter 2, he says this, and he tries to be as clear as possible, but these are kind of a difficult concept to communicate. But here's what he says. Even so, faith, if it is not, if it has no works, is dead being by itself, if if you just say a proclamation, oh, I have faith in God, I believe God, I believe God, but your life doesn't have that in its in its routine, it's not built in, there's no evidence of that, it's a dead faith. That faith cannot save you. That's what he's saying. Verse 18. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith by Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You cannot separate the two. 
You cannot just say, oh, I have faith, but I don't have works. You have works, I don't have faith. You can't do that. You have to sh- faith has to be seen. You have to show faith by works. Working out of that faith in your life. Verse 19, you believe that God is one. You do well. You have mental assent here that, yeah, God is, God is one. He is one God. That's referring to the Old Testament teaching. You do well. Even the demons also believe and shudder. I mean, they have respect for God. They know that. They don't have faith in God. But you, but are you, verse 20, but are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? It's a dead kind of faith. It it cannot save you. That's how important this is. Now, here's Abraham, verse 21. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? Now, this was later in Abraham's life. He offers up uh, uh, his son, willing to offer up his son on the altar as an exercise of, of faith, demonstrating the faith that he had. Verse 20, you see that faith was working with his works. You, you, again, you can't separate the two. The two are together. Faith is going to have some outworking. And it was resulted, uh, as a result of his works, faith was perfected, was demonstrated in his life that he had genuine saving faith. And the scriptures was fulfilled, which says, and Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. There has to be evidence. So important. In the same way, Rahab, the harlot, also justified by works when she received the messenger and messengers and sent them out by another way. There was just an exercise of faith on her part, Rahab. Now, here's the conclusion, verse 26. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. It's not the kind of faith that can save you. Now, that's very clear New Testament teaching that we see. And we'll see that worked out here. We'll see that worked out. God has ordered then a a testing of Abram's faith that we'll see in this. We want a healthy faith. Not a dead faith, not a faith that does not work, a faith that cannot save. We want a a healthy faith. That's what Abram needs. Sometimes it needs to be exercised. Sometimes it it needs to be strengthened. Now, there's some principles that we lived, we saw last week or a couple weeks ago, uh, some key elements to faith. And here's the first one, the first principle. The first part of genuine faith is a relinquishing of your trust in everything else, everyone else, and even yourself. We do not even lean on our own understanding, but we lean on God. We trust in God alone. That's that's just what faith does. It relinquishes all of our trust on everything else. Number two, principle number two, genuine faith is deliberately, intentionally trusting in what God says He will do. In in God's character. In His word. In His promises. Essentially, it's just His His character. We trust His character. We kind of fleshed that out last week. That He is a promise-keeping God. Number three. 
third principle that we saw last week. And, and these are kind of the building blocks of faith. Genuine faith trusts God even when what we see is different than what God promises. We have to look at the end result. Romans chapter 8, all things come, uh, uh, God works all things together for our good according to His purpose. And, and it's the ultimate goal that we have to look at, the end result that we have to look at. It's, it's the whole life and eternity that's going to work out for good. And that's a, that's a life of faith. So what we see, the circumstances of our life may not match up with what God says from our vantage point, but ultimately it will. So keep those things in mind. The bottom line is faith is a lifestyle, folks. We live by faith. We walk with God. It is a lifestyle. It's living God's principles, God's promises out in our life. Many times it's contrary to the world around us, but we live out those principles. Now what we see in this passage is a proving, a testing of, of Abram's faith. God is putting some pressure here. So his faith will be exposed. The uh, example here is just a, a narrative. It's a story. This, you, you can see that follow the storyline very easily. There's three sections here. The first thing we want to see is just Abraham's this uh, or Abram's stress test. Now, this is a, a God-imposed difficulty upon Abram's life. Look at verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. This is just a common occurrence probably at, at that time. Uh, it would be probably a seasonal thing, maybe, but this was a little bit more severe. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. He would probably have livestock that would need grass, and he would he would have to. Uh, he, he's he's thinking these these animals need more food. We're going to have to go down to Egypt. That's where the the food is going to be. And so he went down to Egypt. For the famine was severe in the land. Now, now, so you automatically, you understand the stress that's being put on Abram. It's not stress. I use the wrong word. It's the pressure that God is using here. Now, I want you to know his faith was still intact. There's still faith. And I, I want to point this out. And this is from a verse in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11. We see that in verse 15 we see that, and indeed, if they had, and this is Abraham and, and Sarah, if they had uh, been thinking of the country which, which they had went out, this is Ur, where they were, they would have returned, they would have had opportunity to return. So what he's saying here, and this is the passage about faith, their faith, this would have been the perfect opportunity to say, okay, forget it, God, I'm going back home. And they would have returned to Ur. That would have been the temptation there. So we see an exercise of faith here that genuine, that uh, Abram was trusting God here, but he, he needed to do something. And instead of going home, he goes to Egypt there just as a, uh, to sojourn there, not to permanently stay there, but to, to come back eventually at, at some point. So he, he's resisting the temptation to go back home to be with family. So he's exercising faith here. Another thing that I, I want you to see in this passage is this is a famine. <laughs> this is a, a weather-related event. Who, is controlled, who controls the, the weather? So far, man hasn't been able to control the weather. We can 
barely predict the weather. We certainly can't control it. This is a, a God thing. God is imposing this thing uh, on this region. And Abraham is feeling that pressure. Needed grass for livestock. We've got to go somewhere. What are we going to do? Well, let's just go down to, to Egypt. They had to relieve some of the pressure here. And, and that's, it's not a bad thing to do. There's nothing wrong with going down to Egypt. He's not going permanently. He's going to sojourn there. He'll be, he'll be coming back. But there would have been plenty of food in Egypt. That's where the Nile runs, flows north into the Mediterranean. And uh, there would have been plenty in the delta there, the Nile Delta. There would have been plenty of food, plenty of irrigation. People would have been able to grow things. And it would have been, it would have been fine. There was no problem. Okay? Pressure. Pressure. Now, I alluded to the fair earlier. I went to the fair this uh, on Friday night. And I saw the most impressive animal, most impressive horse that I've ever seen in my life. And his name is Reuben. Now, maybe you've seen it. And he stood, his back legs stood taller than me. He was an impressive animal, just a huge, massive animal. It would have been any kind of stress at all for a man to jump on his back. He could have handled really probably any size, any size man. Put a baby on his back, he would probably, this animal would have never even known. This really should have been an easy thing for Abram. It should have been just something simple. He, he, he had enough uh, faith to handle this. But for some reason, what we're seeing is an exposure here of something's wrong here. There's a little bit of, of fear. Now, God puts natural pressure on our life. Just the common circumstances of our life, there's natural pressures and God... God knows exactly where to place those pressures. But pressure is different than stress. Stress is the way we handle the pressure that God puts on. But God is just using nature here to put some stress. And so put some pressure on, uh, on Abraham. But it turns into stress. Now I want you to see this. This is a passage in James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, he, I think he makes this distinction for us, for, for our assistance, so we can understand what's going on here. The first part of the, the chapter, he says this, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now this is, in Abram's life, this is just a trial. Just a little bit of pressure. That's all it is. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So it's an exercise of faith. Putting a little pressure on there. Uh, if you ever do weight training or running or anything like that, you're exercising some muscles just to, to tone them up, to get stronger. That's, that's what's going on here. But it turns into, it turns into stress when we respond in a negative way. And by the end of this chapter, close to the end of this chapter, he goes on, verse 13, he says, Let no one say when I'm tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Well, God's doing this. God's putting this pressure on my life. He's putting this stress on my life. No, no, he's putting pressure. But what you're feeling because of the inclinations of your own heart is a temptation. You're feeling some stress because you're wanting to to get out of this. You're wanting to put... Uh, to, to kind of escape this thing. So what many times we see as stress or uh, a temptation or 
this it's just really pressure from God. It's just a trial. It's just a test. It's just a stress test. It should be should be able to to pass a stress test. Um, I do not look forward to the day that my doctor tells me, Carl, you need a stress test. Because I'm afraid, I'm not sure that I could pass a stress test now. And, and it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. Abraham should have been passed this with, with flying colors. This should have not have been a problem for Abraham or Abram. But fear is exposed here. We'll, we'll see that. Um, Abraham has a propensity to trust in his, his own inclinations as opposed to trusting in the promises of, of God, of what God has promised. Now, let's just apply this a little bit to our life. Why, why is God allowing this? Let's dig a little bit deeper. Why is he uh, allowing this? Let me give you a couple of biblical reasons here. Number one, he just wants to show us how weak we are. We... We may not know that there's a problem with our heart unless there's some kind of stress, unless there's some kind of, I'm sorry, pressure that's being put on that heart. Then, then it's, then you begin to see, okay, this valve's not working here, or this vein is, is clogged here. There's some problems that's going on there. Now, here's what we do so often. And that stress then, it, it shows us our weaknesses, and that's one of the purposes of of uh, this test of God testing us to show us our weaknesses. Um, we like to boast of our love for God. Uh, we sing about our love for God, and we say, "Oh, I'm a I'm a believer, and I can do this and that." But first thing we do when God puts trials in our life, we run for the medicine. We run toward food. We want, we want to appease that stress by, by something. We want to escape. That, that's our propensity. That's what we do. Alcohol. Or maybe even pornography. That's just our, our little escape. Maybe nobody else knows. And so we tend to want to do that. And you put pressure on Peter's life and, and Christ warned Peter. Because Peter is boasting some pretty great stuff here. But Christ put a little pressure on Peter's life and he just caved. Peter, strong Peter, and he caves. He winds up weeping, weeping because of that, because he denied his own Lord. So Peter needed to see, though, that he was weak in that area. We need to see God puts pressure and and, uh, pushes uh, some things in our life so so it will expose the weaknesses there. Number two, he, um, he also wants us to strengthen that faith. He exposes that weakness, so that weakness then becomes stronger. So that we exercise that faith muscle, and it becomes increasingly stronger and stronger as the Lord puts more pressure. You go to the gym, you may start out just walking a little bit, ten minutes, and you're done. But then you build up, and you can walk a a half an hour. Or, you know, sometimes you build up to even a marathon. But, but it, you don't start with a marathon. You have to build up. You have to build those muscles, that endurance. And that's what God is trying to do here. He's wanting to cause us to depend upon Him. You, you got that? That's the whole point. It's the more faith. 
to to in, in, increase that strength. Now, again, today I, I think so often we as Christians, particularly, maybe not just Christians, but but we play the victim card so much. Oh, I'm a victim of my circumstances. Folks, the Lord is the one that allows circumstances. Now, there's sometimes we are victims. I, I, you know, I've, you know, people have stolen from me and you feel like the victim and you are a victim. That, there, there's, there's sometimes that you are the victim, but we don't play that victim card. He could have just sat down and said, oh, woe is me, woe is me. Uh, God hates me. And, and what is, is being said there, Lord, I demand a, a better life. I demand a life free from trouble. Or I'm just going to play the victim card. And that's foolish. We can't think like that at all. I like what um, Martin Lloyd-Jones says about this. We can make no demands on, God's, on God. We should never demand anything from God, never claim anything from God. Unhappily, there, are, there is much teaching along those lines today about demanding things from God. When we, recog- when we realize who God is, you do not claim, you make requests known to God. I like that. That's what we do. At this moment, Abraham should have been falling on his face. Oh, Lord, what you said, you promised this land was mine. Lord, what do I do in this situation? And he just makes his request. It's just prayer. It's prayer. Wednesday nights. I, I love Wednesday nights, folks, especially during the summer because we have a particularly longer period of time of, of prayer. That's what our church does. Wednesday nights, we come together in prayer. And I always I try to point out, we pray for physical elements, physical elements of, of our spiritual life, or our, our, our life, physical elements. But alongside every physical trial, folks, and you need to understand this, alongside every physical trial is a spiritual trial. You're being tempted to go one way or the other way. There's always that temptation. There's always that uh, Reliance upon self or reliance upon faith in God. Faith in God. Abraham here was, God was putting pressure on his life. And it's exposing some weaknesses there. Let me go to the second point here. Abraham's, Abraham's greatest fear. Verse 11, it came about when he came near Egypt, near to Egypt. He said to Sarah, his wife... See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, and they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on account of you. It seems a little dramatic here. Verse 14. It came about when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a beautiful woman. Uh, She was very beautiful. And And Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore, he, he, that's Pharaoh, treated Abram very well or well for her sake and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. Now, what you see here is an exposure. You see Abram's heart is being exposed and you see fear. 
Abram is being ruled, being governed by fear. It's the, essentially the fear of man. Ultimately, it's death. He's fear, fearing a uh, fear of dying. But what men can do to me, that's the fear of fear of man. But the focus here is is upon Sarah's beauty. Now, Sarah was 65 years old at this point, but this that's about half her life. She was going to live uh, 127 years. And so this would be kind of the equivalent of about 35, 40 years old. And uh, she she was still very beautiful. She was attractive, probably young in appearance. And in chapter 20, if you go to Genesis chapter 20 and verse 12, we see kind of the thinking behind this. Uh, actually, verse 11, Abraham says this because he tries this same thing again, by the way. It says, Abraham said, because I thought surely there was no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she actually is my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she was she became my wife. So so there was a half truth there. But the bottom line, he was just afraid. He was not trusting the Lord. It's a matter of faith here. So what would have happened is Sarah would have been brought brought in. He kind of just throws his wife under the bus here. She was brought into Pharaoh's harem. She would have been prepared uh, to go into Pharaoh's presence, prepared. Here's here's the way to act. Here's proper manners, uh, probably uh, given different attire, uh, just prepared her to go into his presence, prayer, prepare her to be a queen. There's probably other women in that in that line, but uh, that was what was happening here. And Abram, he's acting on fear now. He's taking matters into his own hands, and he concocts this ruse, this lie, this half truth uh, for his uh, the security of his own future. Now God has already talked about his future. God says, "Here's what I'm going to do." But Abram, he wants to act on his own initiative here. And we see the motive behind that is fear. This is a matter of faith. And so the doctor now puts him through this stress test and he's looking at the chart and he's seeing something. Hey, this is abnormal here. There's an abnormal fear here. Like looking at a, an x-ray and you begin to see that vein and there's some blockage here. That's what's happening here. And fear is beginning to stand out. Fear is becoming a, a, an obvious motive here. In fact, it seems like fear is driving this whole thing. Abraham was afraid. That's just the sinful flesh, isn't it? The sinful flesh works its way out in many different ways. But here it's, it's fear. And it's just the opposite of faith. Fear is just the opposite of, of faith, trusting God. Um, and it's, his life is being driven by this. It's the very enemy. It's, it's eroding his, his faith. Um, and it's like the, doc, the doctor's looking at the chart. He pins point and he says, okay, there's heart disease here. There's a, there's a problem. There's a closer look. And they even order a CAT scan and, and look closely at that, that thing. But here's the thing, is that Abram began to make decisions based upon that fear. Now, fear is okay. There's, there's, there's going to be natural fear. But when we begin to make decisions based upon that fear, that's a problem. That's a heart condition. That's a, a, a faith problem. 
Faith was ruling his life. In fact, it was beginning to control his life and conquer him, conquer his faith. And he was being ruled by his flesh. So much so that the protection of his wife just kind of slips his mind. It was just, it just come down to self-protection. And these red flags didn't even go off. Uh, he, he didn't, he cared very little about his wife, seems like here. Red flag. No thought for others. No thought for his own integrity here. So he was driven by fear. Now, Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, he, Solomon warns us. Abraham obviously didn't have this verse, but I'm sure he knew the principle. The fear of man brings a snare. Fear is not a good thing. The fear of man brings a snare. But he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Christ said, do not fear those who could kill the body only, but fear those fear him who can kill the body and the soul. God is to be feared over man. We have to overcome fear. To overcome fear. We have to see that. We can be afraid, but we don't make decisions based upon that fear. Peter lays it out very clear for us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 6. He says, humble yourself. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you at the proper time. Now, that's what I was saying. Abram should have fallen down to his, his face before the Lord and, and said, Lord, I see, I see the circumstances of my life don't match up. What do you want me to do? And he says, uh, and he will exalt you in the proper time. He goes on to say, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Abraham should have cast his cares on the Lord. Lord, this is a, a huge problem. You're going to have to you're going to have to deal with that. But he was making decisions based upon this fear. You know what? All that is is pride. Lord, I, I, I can handle this myself. There's a, a pride thing going on here. I can handle this better than God can handle this. So I'm going to lean on my own understanding. And at that moment, we're, we're, we're going either one direction or another direction on, on our response. It's going to be a life of faith or a life of compromise and self-reliance, self-sufficiency. I like what... Uh, Derek Thomas, who's a pastor down in South Carolina, is a wonderful guy. He says the trajectory trajectory by which we grow in grace. Now, this is what we're talking about. This faith growing um, in grace involves learning to live with suffering and trial in a godly, trustful way. The trajectory, the way we respond is going to take us in one direction or it's going to take us in a different direction the way we respond to that and that's what's happening here two different directions and abraham is is choosing to go down a different path uh, this response by the way and this is kind of a side note but I, I have to mention this is a theological response it's based upon his theology and it seems to be not, Lord, I hear what you say, but I don't know if I can trust you. There's some kind of disconnect with his theology. It's a, a weak theology, not trusting the Lord's character. Maybe, maybe the Lord is, is uh, not immutable. Maybe he changed his mind. Maybe the Lord doesn't know what's going on in my circumstances. Maybe the, the Lord is not in control of every little molecule on the earth. 
Maybe the Lord is uh, not so good as I thought he was. Or maybe the Lord is not gracious. There's some theological problems here. I don't know what's going on in Abraham's heart. But what I do know is this is a wake-up call. This is a sobering time that, that Moses or um, Abram was is, is saying, look, something's wrong here. Fear is a shocking element to our life, right? When you when you uh, step off something and you, you feel like you're going to fall, there's a there's a shock to your system. That's what's happening here. It's a shock. And it's a, a God induced shock so that Abraham can be sobered up. Abraham. I am in control, not you. I am in control. Now, folks, we all need that at, at points. We we at points of time in our life. We we all need that time when uh, we are jolted back into reality that God is in control of our life and not not ourselves. Um, many times we blow things out of proportion. Many times we overthink things, don't we? Let me ask you just. Just think about this. What is your greatest fear? What would cause you to compromise God's word? Cause you to compromise your testimony? Cause you to compromise the way you speak, your, your words? Is it loneliness? Is it fear of rejection? Fear of public ridicule? We don't want everybody talking about me. Is it fear of, maybe it's fear of death. That's what Abram ultimately was. And he wanted to escape. So you have to ask yourself, what, what is it that, that if I was put under this, what would my heart say? What would my, how would my heart, my faith respond to these things? And you have to ask, would I, would I compromise? Would I compromise? Well, Abraham was overthinking things. He jeopardized his family Lineage here, he's throwing his wife under the bus. He was, he was thinking of his own skin. Let's go to the last little point here. God's gracious intervention. And I'm so glad of this. God's gracious intervention. Verses 17 to 20. But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abram. And said, what is this that you have done to me? You did not. Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, there here is your wife. Take her and go. Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they escorted him. That is Abram away and his wife and all that belonged to him. You see three different characters there. You first what ignited all of this really was, was Sarah, Sarah's protection. And God had to intervene because Abram wasn't protecting his wife and God had to, to step right in. And she was in danger. Um, she would have been in, in this preparation stage of, of becoming uh, Pharaoh's wife and, and maybe being groomed for that. And, and all of a sudden these plagues began to happen. And they, they begin to compare and say, hey, you know what? This didn't happen until she came in. And, and it kind of pointed, uh, singled out Sarah and God had stepped in and, and he intervened in this situation. And, and then maybe Sarah confessed. Maybe Sarah pointed these things out. We don't know. A lot, a lot of details here. 
But somehow it came up that Sarah was the, the person here. And so Pharaoh is the next, uh, the camera kind of turns to Pharaoh. And, and Pharaoh, he's just fuming. You can hear that in, the, in, his, in this dialogue here. And this monarch of, the, uh, of Egypt was showing, really showing more character than Abraham himself. Uh, he was he was showing a lot more character than Abraham was giving him credit for for having, and then you show that. But he was furious, and and he wants to to get rid of uh, Abraham, to get rid of the plagues. And then you, the last thing you see is Abram, don't you? And you see Abram being chased out of town with the, his tail between his legs. This is embarrassing. This is a what kind of God is this that Abraham's serving? This is this is embarrassing. It should have been embarrassing. It should have been shameful for Abraham or Abram. Uh, he's he's looking like a loser. His God is looking pretty weak until God steps in and shows his power and shows, hey, I am in control even of your health. And Abraham was pretty weak. Maybe Abraham's thinking was, was good. Maybe he's thinking, well, I'm the one that God chose. Maybe not Sarah. And so I've got to preserve myself. Maybe you can justify some thinking like that. But no, he just was not trusting God. God had to intervene. And the real problem is, it, it, it was the, the trigger, if you want to use that word, is when God had to step in is because Abraham and, and, um, Abram and Sarah were separated. Separated, And God stepped in because Sarah was in danger. But Abram was not in sync with God here. He's going one way and God's going another way. They weren't in sync. It would be like a three-legged race there, but they were off their rhythm. That's what's going on here. And God was triggered and God it evoked God's pretty dramatic intervention here. Now, what was happening is that the Jewish line was being in danger of being corrupted. In fact, if you look at the bigger picture, the redemption of man, the messianic line was being uh, in danger of being corrupted here. So God had to step in. Abraham was just not sober enough spiritually to think about these things, and God had to interject. Now, this was embarrassing. This is embarrassing. This is a lack of faith. Uh, folks, I, we, we see this... It just we'll go right to application here. We see this, uh, we see this in our, our churches today. So often, even churches use gimmicks. They're willing to compromise God's word, the preaching of God's word. They're they're willing to to go down the the path of entertainment, putting a wrong emphasis on things, for the sake of bringing people in, and, and they're willing to compromise. The very promise that God says, or Christ said, I will build my church. And, and it's hard. Sometimes what we see may not match up with what's, what God has promised. You say, Christ, you, you said you're going to build your church, but, but look at our church. Lord, step in. Please step in. Abram should have been embarrassed. Our churches today, American churches today that are using gimmicks to get people in, using music to get people in, using entertainment to get people in, compromising God's word to get people in, they're, they're being driven by fear. And I call Daniel's Bible Church to rise above that. Because faith is a lifestyle. 
It's not a one-time thing. It's not something we did ten years ago, five years ago. Oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But if you don't live by faith, if you're not living by faith, and if our American churches are not living by faith, then something's major wrong. Now, let's just apply this big thing, big picture here. What's the big deal? It all worked out in the, in the end, right? Sarah was spared. She, did, she didn't actually go in with Pharaoh. What, what's the big deal? There's a couple of things that have to, be, have to be pointed out here. God's will ultimately will be accomplished, right? <laughs> we know that. God's will is going to be accomplished, but sometimes at the expense of the embarrassment and even the integrity of God's servants. We are secondary, folks. We are secondary. Our faith is just lining us up with, with God. And our embarrassment, God is willing to embarrass us. He, he is willing to, to let us just, just die on the vine, or not ultimately, but like Peter, just, just forsake him, and, and, and then Peter has to repent and come all back over again. So, so ultimately, God's will is going to be done. Number two. God's glory was not diminished here. We think, oh, it would have been better if Abraham had done this and done that. But ultimately, God's glory was not diminished. Now, I think it would have been better. It's kind of like Jonah. God says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach there. Ultimately, Jonah did wind up in Nineveh, right? And he did do that. But it was contrary to Jonah's will. God had to force him. God had to make him. He was doing contrary to what God said. David, at one point, beyond enemy's lines, and he acts crazy, loses in integrity, just like Abram loses his integrity. <clears throat> Folks, we may be embarrassed. We may be shamed. We may be, and we should be, if there's a lack of faith. But God's will will be accomplished and God will get his glory. His glory was diminished in the servant, but ultimately his power was seen, wasn't it? God showed them, look, you don't mess with, with Abraham. I am in control of his life. Now, God puts stress on our life. God's put pressure on our life. Stress test. And he exposes our heart. I can't know what's in your heart. I can't know what's in your heart. But I would encourage you, when the Lord puts pressure, don't turn it into a temptation. Don't lose, don't let fear, let's say that, cause us to, to rob, to rob our, our blessing of serving the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this servant, Abram. Lord, what a, what a joy it is to see that he, he wasn't perfect. He had faith, but he wasn't perfect. It's, it's good for Israel to see that you are faithful to your covenant. No matter what the servant does, no matter how much we fail, Lord, your will is going to be done. Lord, help us to just maintain faith. And when our faith is weak, when it's exposed like that, I pray that we would step up and it would cause us to strengthen that faith muscle. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.